بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين والعدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله مصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ما بعد Just please confirm that there is sound now and I apologize for that I think the cable was loose so the lights on for some reason the cable was loose and so it wasn't working alhamdulillah i think that it's uh, it's inshallah ta'ala working okay now so let us um, let us recap so basically i was just going through the introductions we had actually started anything i was just recapping over what we did last week and last week we covered verses 17 and 18 which allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks the question has not the news come to you of the hosts and the armies and the forces meaning from the past nations so that allah azawajal gave the example of two such nations, the people of Pharaoh and the people of Thamud. The people of Thamud being the nation of Salih alayhi salatu wassalam. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, gives those examples and as we mentioned, some of the scholars said because there are certain similarities between the story of Ukhtud and the people of, of Pharaoh, but also even more generally that these were people that Allah azawajal gave to them power, Allah azawajal gave to them kingdom, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to them wealth, Allah azawajal gave to them armies, many of the blessings of the dunya. But when they turned away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they disbelieved in Allah azza wa jal and they rejected the prophets and messages that came to them, all of that wealth and all of that dunya and all of that power and kingdom didn't benefit them, didn't come to their aid, didn't come to their assistance when Allah, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment came upon them. So inshallah ta'ala today, as I said, we're going to see how much of this surah we can do if we can finish the surah, alhamdulillah, today. And if not, then inshallah ta'ala, we'll, we'll leave what we have uh, until next week. So we're going to continue from verse number 19 which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بل الذين كفروا في تكذيب Yet still the disbelievers persist in denial. That's the translation of Professor Abdul Halim Sahih International but they who disbelieve are in denial. Mufti Taqi but those who disbelieve are engaged in denying the truth. And Muhsin Khan nay the disbelievers persisted in denying. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse after mentioning the previous verses, he then comes back or he comes and he says that they are in denial, meaning that just as those who came before them, these people of, of Thamud and Pharaoh and all of the other Junud, all of the other armies and hosts that came before, all of them, what they had in common was their denial of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and their rejection of the prophets that Allah azza wa sent to them, their rejection of the revelation that was given to those prophets, the guidance that Allah azza wa sent down. So just as those people are in denial and they denied all of those nations that came from the time of Nuh alayhi salatu wassalam all the way down throughout the ages, throughout the generations, the many nations that came and went, then likewise, O you, O people of Quraysh and all the Arabs and the people that the Prophet wasallam was sent to even more widely than just the Arabs, you too are in persistent denial. You're doing exactly the same thing that they did. And so that pattern continues. That's something which continues even until our time today. That the message of Allah Azza comes to people, the guidance of Allah is explained to people, the uh, the Quran, people hear, they hear of the Prophet and they still deny it. And that is what Imam Al-Tabari Ta'ala said. He said all of these people, they denied the promise of Allah Azza and they denied the threats of punishment that Allah Azza gave to him. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says that there never came a group of people 
uh, or never was there a nation or a group of people to whom Allah sent his messengers such as Pharaoh and his likes and Thamud and their like except that Allah when they denied and they rejected their messengers Allah sent upon them his punishment and so they're going to continue upon that just as those who came before continued upon that meaning even today or even in the time of the Prophet وسلم, but even after that time there are people who are still following that same methodology, that same pattern, that same thing that those people were upon, Pharaoh, Thamud, one of those past nations that came, Ad, Madian, all of them. Sheikh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, This takdeeb, this denial of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, denial of the tawheed of Allah, the prophets of Allah, the messengers of Allah, he said it is something which continues in every, or is continuous in every single nation. And that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the shaykh goes on to say, that is what Allah azza wa jal says in Surah Al-Inshiqaq, which is the next surah that inshallah ta'ala we will come onto, that Allah azza wa jal says in that surah, بَلِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا يُكَذِّبُونَ But rather the disbelievers are in persistent denial, meaning that they continuously deny what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to them. Allah azza wa jal sends to them prophet after prophet, messenger after messenger, sign after sign, guidance upon guidance, and what do they continuously do? They reject. And that's because when Allah sends a prophet or a messenger, He doesn't just send them with a single sign. He doesn't just give to them one thing. He doesn't just tell them one message or one day that He gives to those people to listen or to hear. It is a continuous process that may last for many, many years, sometimes for centuries, as in the case of Nuh But what do they do at every turn, every juncture, or every junction, every opportunity? They reject and they turn away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are in persistent denial. Look at how many signs Allah sends and they continuously deny. And that is one of the similarities between the story, the story of the people of, of Ukhdud, if we take that narration of Sahih Muslim, of the king and the sorcerer and the boy, and the people of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was given so many signs, as Allah says in the Quran, the nine signs that Pharaoh was given, him and his people. And what did they do? Rejected one after the next, after the next, after the next, until Allah punished them. And likewise, the king in the story of that sorcerer and the boy, the king sees these signs that Allah gives at the hands of the boy. His army and his soldiers can't kill the boy. They take him to a mountain, he survives. They take him to the ocean and the sea, he survives. And the only way he manages to kill him is by following his explicit instructions that this is the only way that I will die, the only way that you can kill me. Sign upon sign, sign after sign. And those people of pure iman or pure hearts, when they saw those signs, they believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like in the example of uh, the people of Ukhtud, like those people who witnessed that sign in, that, in, that, in the hadith of Suhaib radiallahu anhu in Sahih Muslim, they believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the king, his advisors, the nobility of his people, what do they do? They continuously reject and they turn away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why Ibn Ashur rahimahullah ta'ala, he says that Allah azza wa jal is speaking about the situation of those past nations that continuously denied the messengers and how they're continuously in denial and that this denial will continue and it is a continuous state that they are in. And Sheikh Jamaluddin al-Qasimi rahimahullah ta'ala, he said in his tafsir, he said that these people are in consistent denial of the truth, of revelation, despite the many signs that Allah Azza wa Jal gave, the many just the many uh, the many signs and the many proofs that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala send. 
And that is why Allah Azza wa Jal speaks about them in this way. And so Allah Azza wa Jal says, if he's saying that the situation of your people is not more, uh, it is not, uh, it is not more strange or stranger than the situation of Pharaoh and Thamud. Pharaoh and Thamud, they did the same thing, and your people are only following in their footsteps. And that is why, just as the believers throughout the ages are considered to be brothers in faith, so the believers of the Prophet are brothers to the people of who believed in the Prophets Nuh and Hud and Salih and Musa and Isa and Ibrahim all of the Prophets, all of the believers, and that's why we say all of them are Muslimun, all of them are Muslims. Likewise, those who disbelieved and they rejected, they too are one and the same in the sense that they are all from those people who rejected the Prophets and the Messengers of Allah Azza wa Jal. And that is why, as we've said before, the one who rejects a single Prophet and Messenger is as if they rejected all of the Prophets and Messengers. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala often in the Quran, He says, Ad disbelieved in all of the Messengers. And Thamud also disbelieved in all of the messengers and likewise the people of Madi and the people of Lot and Nuh and so on. Why all of the messengers? Only one was sent to them because by rejecting one, they reject them all. And so all of those disbelievers have this in common. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, rather this is what they would do. Allah Azzawajal sent to them signs. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made clear to them just in this surah, his many signs, his names, his attributes, his powers, his abilities subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Azzawajal gave to them stories within the surah. Allah Azzawajal gave to them examples of past nations. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the principles by which he judges, and that is the principle of those who believe and those who disbelieve, and what that means and how success is measured, how Allah Azzawajal views success. And despite all of this, what will they do? They will be in persistent denial. They will continue rejecting and denying what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said and has mentioned. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this, then in verse 20, in the next verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, but despite this, it won't benefit them. Their continuous rejection, their continuous denial, everything that they do, all of their opposition, all of the things that they do to oppose Allah, oppose His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in verse number 20, in the translation of Sahih International, where Allah encompasses them from behind. And Mufti Taqi, Allah has encompassed them from all sides. And in Professor Abdul Harim's translation, Allah surrounds them all. And Muhsin Khan, and Allah encompasses them from behind. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, despite what they did, despite everything that they've said, despite what they claim, despite their denial, their rejection, don't think that they would escape from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah is unaware, that Allah doesn't know, that they have overpowered or overcome Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is one of the, uh, as we mentioned, I think last week and the week before, one of the beautiful principles that we take from this surah. When Allah speaks about the people of those who try and test the believing men and women, then Allah mentions the believers and what, what is true success, then when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about how he will treat those disbelievers, indeed the punishment of your Lord is severe, then how Allah will treat the believers, he is all forgiving, all loving, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is mentioning all of this so that people will know that there is no way that they can escape from the judgment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
So either your judgment will be favorable in the sight of Allah Azza Allah will favor you and Allah will bless you and Allah will forgive you and have mercy upon you because of your iman or Allah Azza wa will have his wrath and his anger and you will have his everlasting punishment. The only option that isn't given is that you escape, that there is no judgment, that there is nothing that will happen to you, that there will be some type of neutral group or some type of third group to which nothing happens. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala throughout the Quran, He establishes this principle, فَرِيقٌ فِي الْجَنَّةِ وَفَرِيقٌ فِي السَّعِيرِ There are only two groups that will come on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, the party of paradise and the party of the fire. Only two groups. There is no third to them. That third doesn't exist for the jinn and for the humans. That third in which a person doesn't go to hellfire, doesn't go to Jannah, they're neutral, they're not resurrected, they're missed out, they're ignored, no one holds them to account, no one judges them. That doesn't exist for humankind. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they think that they can do as they please. They think that they will get away with everything and especially in our time now, because obviously with the previous nations as we mentioned, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would send upon them his punishment in the dunya. The people of Nuh, the people of Ad, the people of Thamud, the people of Salih, the people of Lot, all of these people, Pharaoh, the people of, uh, the people of Pharaoh, all of these people were punished by Allah azza wa jal in the dunya. But from the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the ummah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as is mentioned in the hadith that Allah azza wa jal said that I made dua, that the Prophet sallallahu said, I made dua to Allah azza wa jal, that Allah would not destroy this ummah in a single blow the way that he would destroy those who came before. And Allah Azza wa accepted that dua from our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And so Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala doesn't destroy this Ummah without, uh, in the way that he would have destroyed previous nations that came before. And so people from the Ummah or from the, and I mean by the Ummah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his wider nation as we said before, because there's an Ummah to Istijaba, the ones who answer the call of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then we have what we call the Ummah to Da'wah. The Ummah that the Prophet was calling, the Ummah of the call of the Prophet is everyone after the time of the Prophet whoever they are, wherever they live, whichever religion they follow or no religion that they may follow. And the Ummah to Istijaba, the Ummah that answers are the Muslims. They are the Ummah that accepted the call of the Prophet So when we say the Ummah of the Prophet we're talking about in the more generic sense, the general sense, meaning everyone that is called to the religion by the Prophet so from his time until Yawm Al-Qiyamah, that includes everyone. All of these people are generally speaking, the people of the Prophet Sallallahu or the Ummah, in the more general sense, the Ummah of the Prophet Sallallahu And so this nation, this Ummah, that is the wider Ummah of the Prophet Sallallahu because Allah Azza wa won't punish them in that way, in the way that he would have punished those previous nations, as Allah tells us throughout the book of Allah Azza wa throughout the Quran, in the many stories that he narrates to us, those people sometimes think that they can then escape, that there will be no accounting, that if your people have power and people of wealth and people of prestige and influence, who's going to hold you to account? No one can come, no country can come, no court is powerful enough. And that's what we have today in a system where no one can hold those other leaders to account unless some other leaders choose to and they have the power to do so. So we've seen examples of that when certain people have been held to account by courts and international justice systems but at the same time there's many others that are held to account that wouldn't be applied to me or you or to the average person on the street because we don't have that power that type of influence or wealth that we can escape that type of judgment but they are, are, there are people in authority that think that they can do so and so likewise Pharaoh thought the same thing the leaders of the people of Thamud thought the same thing 
the people of Nuh and Lot and Madian and Shu'ib and all of that, they thought the same thing. They thought that they were in power, that they had prestige, that they had nobility. Who's going to hold us to account? Who can come and overpower us? And certainly not this man who's by himself, meaning the prophets of Allah that were sent to them, this man by himself with just his small group of followers, all of them weak and poor, many of them ex-slaves, many of them from the lowly, as Allah Azza wa mentions, uh, some of the discourses, and it's amazing to, to read them in the book of Allah Azza wa like in Surah Hud, when, when the people of Nuh والسلام, was speaking to the Prophet and they're saying, all the people, only, the only people that follow you are the Ardalun. All the, all the lowly people are your followers. What are they going to do? How can they come and do anything to help or to stop or to, to prevent or to force or to influence us in any way? They have no status amongst us anyway. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, so what that leads to? They fall into continuous and persistent denial. But Allah Azza wa then says in this verse, But Allah Azza wa will surround them, meaning Allah knows everything that they do, and Allah is aware of everything that they do, and they cannot escape the will of Allah Azza wa or the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or the judgment of Allah Azza wa And that is what Imam al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, that Allah Azza wa surrounds them all, meaning that Allah Azza wa knows all of their actions, muhsin laha, recording every single one of them. لا يخفى عليه منها شيء. Not a single one of those actions is hidden or unknown to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. وهو مجازيهم على جميعها. And He will hold them to account and He will judge them and then recompense them for every single one of them. Imam Al Qurtubi, rahimahullah Taala, he said that Allah Azza wa has the ability and the power to send upon them that which He sent upon Pharaoh. Meaning, if Allah wills and had Allah willed. He could have destroyed them just as he destroyed the people of Pharaoh, the people of Thamud. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he says that he surrounds them, meaning that there is no escape for them. There is nowhere for them to go, nowhere for them to run. No place in the universe that they could go to, and they can't even get off the planet Earth, but even if they could, and go to some far-flung, distant corner of the universe, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would still know. And Allah azza wa his dominion still reaches them. And there is nothing beyond uh, the, the scope or the power of Allah that they could ever go to. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows all that they do, records all that they do, and He will then judge them for all of that and then give them their appropriate punishment. The uh, Imam ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentions in his tafsir uh, or, or in one of his works, because as we know he doesn't have a tafsir in that, in that traditional sense, but what he used to have, rahimahullah ta'ala, is many books that he wrote, commentaries of the Qur'an. Those have been gathered together and we call, they often now refer to as Tafsir ibn Qayyim. But ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, uh, in the commentary of these verses, he says, after Allah Azza wa Jal mentions, the, mentions what, he has, what he has mentioned in this surah, all of the different principles, all of the different lessons, ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, says that Allah Azza wa Jal concludes this surah by speaking and warning those who disbelieve in him those who reject his messengers, those who turn away from him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah Azza wa Jal will do to them just as was done to those who came before them. That those people who reject the tawheed of Allah Azza wa Jal, they reject the messengers that came, all of them are within the grasp of Allah Azza wa Jal. And Allah surrounds them from every direction. And there is no, nothing that they can do, nowhere that they can go, where Allah Azza wa Jal doesn't have, a, have all power, all ability over them. And he has power all over them in every single sense 
and in every single way. Ibn Ashur, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that Allah Azza wa Jal is giving an example here of how their punishment is waiting for them. Meaning, don't think that Allah Azza wa Jal is heedless, fi ghaflatin an. they are heedless of it. Don't think that they that just because nothing happened to them in this dunya, that nothing will happen to them ever. But rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has encompassed them. And Allah Azza wa uses the word min wara'ihim, as you saw in some of the translations, that he is he encompasses them or surrounds them from behind because it shows that they are unaware. Because if there is someone that comes up behind you, so if someone's in front of you, to the right, to the left, you can see them. So you're aware of them and you're you're cognizant of the fact that they're coming. But someone's behind you and you don't even know, someone comes and they and, and that's one of the worst. Like especially for example in the uh, in, in in the battle sense or in the war sense, the worst thing is to be flanked by your enemy, that your enemy is behind you and you don't even know. The first thing that the army does is make sure that they can't be flanked, make sure that no one can come behind them because they're concentrating at the front. So if someone comes behind them and attacks them, that's something which often leads to a great deal of loss of life and harm and so on. And we saw examples of that even in the seer of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We have an example of the Battle of Uhud when Khalid ibn Walid was able to flank the army of the Muslims at the Battle of Uhud, we saw what took place and we saw what the end result was. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He has surrounded them from behind, meaning from every direction, but Allah uses the direction that, he, that he, has, he will come from behind them with His knowledge, with His punishment. They won't even realize. They won't even know. And that's exactly what happened with all of those nations that proceeded. How often the punishment of Allah came and they never imagined that it would come. How often it came and they were never expecting it. How often when it came, they would look at that same punishment that was a punishment from Allah and they would think that it was a form of mercy. Then Aad say the same thing, the people of Aad, who for a number of days had drought and famine, and their people and their Prophet told them, Hud that you're going to be punished. The punishment of Allah will come to you in a number of days. And so they had drought and famine and they thought that was their punishment. But when they saw the clouds coming, the dark clouds, they thought, oh, relief has come. Hud was a liar. His promise was not true. What we're upon is good. And they said, These are rain clouds that have come to bring us relief. Allah said, Bal huwa bih. Rather, it's what you were seeking and seeking to hasten. Fiha it is a tormenting wind in which there is a painful punishment. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroyed them in a way that they thought was going to be blessing. In the story of Pharaoh, we say that Pharaoh, when he's going through uh, when, when he's chasing Bani Israel and the sea parts for Bani Israel and Bani Israel go across, what does Pharaoh think and what do his people think or what does he say to them? The sea was parted because of me. It's my power. He was so deluded, even though he knew that he didn't do anything. He knew that he didn't have any power over the sea. But at that moment and at that time, he thought that, that was for him. He thought that the sea was parted so that he could continue his chase and catch Bani Israel. And it is only when he's in the middle of those of the sea that Allah commands that the waters come down upon them and that they are drowned. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as, as Ibn Ashur says, Allah will deal with them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has his punishment ready for them. They won't even know where it comes from. They don't even realize. And so that's in terms of the dunya sense for those people that are punished in the dunya, but also on Yawm Al-Qiyamah when those people will be punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so Allah Azza wa Jal says, or Ibn Ashur rather says, that just as they deny in every way and use everything at their means, thinking that they can deny as they please, 
Then likewise Allah says He surrounded them in every way. Anything that they do, everything that they do, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is knowing of. Allah has all power and all knowledge of subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why Shaykh ibn Uthaymeen rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that Allah has surrounded them from every direction. Not a single one of them can flee. Because even the greatest of, or most powerful of people, you're going to have some people escape from them. Some people hiding. Some people not known where they are. Some people too fast. Some people too quick. Some people too clever. And so you're always going to miss a person or two or a group or ten or twenty or hundreds. That's just the nature of humans. But not a single one will escape from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says they won't escape from his knowledge. They won't escape from his authority or kingdom. They won't escape his punishment subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَكِنَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ قَدْ يُمْلِي لِلظَّالِمِ حَتَّى إِذَا أَخَذَهُ لَمْ يُفْلِتْ But rather Allah Azza wa Jal may give to the oppressors time. He may give to them time and he may wait for them so that they increase within their oppression so that when the punishment comes or when the time comes, there will be no escape for them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that yes, they continue in their denial, in their rejection of Allah Azza wa Jal, the rejection of Tawheed, the rejection of their messengers and the prophets that came to them. Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is well aware of that which they do and Allah Azza wa has surrounded them and they will never escape the counting and the judgment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give to them. And that from that which they denied and that which they rejected was the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Quran. This Quran they rejected, its stories they rejected, its principles they rejected, the message of Tawheed within it they rejected, the reminder of the Akhirah and Yawm Al-Qiyamah and death and that they will stand before Allah Azza wa Jal in paradise and hellfire within it, they rejected. The stories within it, they rejected. Every single part of the book of Allah Azza wa Jal, they rejected. And that is why Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala then says in verse 21, speaking about this Quran, speaking about its station, speaking about its virtues and its blessings, speaking about its greatness, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says, بَلْ هُوَ قُرْآنٌ مَجِيدٌ This is truly a glorious Quran. And that is the translation of uh, Professor Abdul Halim and, and all the translations are more or less the same, Sahih International, but this is an honored Quran. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that from everything which they rejected, the many things that they rejected, and obviously now we're speaking primarily about the people of Quraysh in the time of the Prophet وسلم, and the people who came after them, who reject the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they say that the Quran is full of stories, or as the Arabs used to say, that it is sorcery or the words of a madman or some type of poetry Ibn Abbas said that Allah refutes all of this that which they used to say that it's the words of a fortune teller the words of sorcery the words of of, of shi'r it is poetry and so on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rejects this by saying بَلْ هُوَ قُرْآنٌ مَجِيدٌ it is a Quran that is glorious that is honorable that is noble so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rejects that which they say concerning the book of Allah so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that it is Qur'anun Majid. And as we said before, when we were making the tafsir or doing the tafsir of the verse, Dhul Arsh al-Majid, that the word Majid refers to that which is glorious and that which is honorable and that which is noble. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, just as he as he ascribed what is the greatest of Allah's creations in terms of the, the throne, the Arsh of Allah Azza wa Jal, he ascribed it to himself and mentioned that it is something that is glorious worthy of glory and honor and nobility, then likewise the book of Allah Azza wa Jal is even more worthy. 
because the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is from the attributes of Allah. It is the speech of Allah. It is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. And all of Allah azza wa jal is glorious. All of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we mentioned before, innaka hamidun majid. Allah azza wa jal is worthy of all praise, worthy of all glory. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the Quran is glorious, meaning noble and honorable, as Qatada and Sa'id ibn Musayyib rahimahullah ta'ala and others from amongst the scholars of tafsir said. And Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, بَلْ هُوَ قُرْآنٌ مَجِيدٌ So Allah Azza wa Jal in this verse, this is truly a glorious Qur'an. He rejects that which they said concerning the book of Allah Azza wa Jal because it is one of the things that they rejected. So for this ummah, the ummah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this and perhaps Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Perhaps one of the reasons why the Qur'an is mentioned here specifically as opposed to, for example, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or something else, is because the Qur'an continues up until Yawm al-Qiyamah, whereas the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam passed away. So the rejection of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, yes, they are still rejecting him in terms of his message, in terms of his risala, in terms of the mission that he came with and the call that he came with sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but the Qur'an continues in the sense that it is a book that people can see, they can hear, they can listen, they can see that people study it and so on. And so Allah Azza wa Jal mentions their rejection of the Qur'an. And even in the time of the Prophet wasallam, during his lifetime, the Quraysh, their rejection was of the Qur'an. Yes, it was of the Prophet wasallam, but one of the things that they would do was reject the book of Allah Azza wa Jal. Their rejection of the Prophet was often down to the Qur'an. They would listen to him because of his words. It's his words that they used to claim then that he was a sorcerer or a magician or a fortune teller, or a madman, or a poet. What is that, all of that referring to? The words of the Qur'an. Because the Prophet wasallam, when he's speaking himself, meaning what we would call today his sunnah, they don't have an issue with those words per se, but it was the Qur'an that they couldn't rival in terms of its beauty, its language, its eloquence. That's what they would attack. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala defends his book subhanahu wa ta'ala in this surah. And Allah azawajal praises the Qur'an. And in this is also uh, an important lesson for me and you and for everyone else. And that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he describes this Qur'an as being glorious, being honorable, being noble, in this surah, as you can see, a surah that speaks about the trials of the people of faith, but also speaks about the lessons and the principles and the and the way in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his names and attributes and the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helps the believers overcome that. And Allah azza wa is giving us the the means and the source by which we can achieve that success and that is by understanding the quran by reading the quran by studying the book of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the quran by applying the rulings of the quran be from the people of the quran and allah Azza will protect you be from the people of quran and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless you and will honor you and will raise you because that is the virtue and the reward of those people who are the people of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in the hadith of Anas radiyallahu an, inna lillahi, inna lillahi ahlina minan nas. Allah azza wa jal has special people from amongst the people. They said, who are they, O Messenger of Allah? He said, whom ahlul Qur'an, ahlullahi wa khasatu. He said, they are the people of the Qur'an. They are the special chosen people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who are those people? The people that spend and dedicate their whole lives to the book of Allah azza wa jal. It's reading, it's memorization, it's understanding, it's study. They go from one book to another book, from one reading to another reading, from one finishing of the Qur'an to another finishing of the Qur'an, one khatam to another khatam. 
And so they are the people of the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Book of Allah Azza wa Jal, as I hope by now, in our 60 of QP, we have seen, whether through the tafsir, whether through the stories of the scholars, who are the scholars of tafsir, whether through some of the sciences that are connected to the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is an ocean that has no shore. There is no end to this ocean that is the ocean of knowledge that is the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us the Book of Allah Azza wa Jal, no matter, as some of the companions used to say, Ali radiallahu anhu and others, that the Quran is something that will never waste, meaning no matter how many times you go back to it. It's not like clothes, the more you wear them, wear them, the more old become, the more tatty they become, you wear them out, anything in the dunya, the more that you use it over and over again, what's going to happen sooner or later, it's going to start falling apart, start ripping, because of the heavy usage of the item. Cars, anything, houses, anything that you use a great deal in the dunya, that's the nature of it, even the human body. The human body of someone who's used their body 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, not like the person who's used their body 10, 20 years, generally speaking. And that's because the more you use something that is the, the law of the dunya, but not the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not knowledge of this religion, not knowledge of the Quran and the sunnah. Read the Quran once, read it twice, read it 10 times, read it 100 times, and you will still benefit and learn. And the Quran will still give to you gems and principles and things that you didn't realize the first time that you will benefit from the second time. And that is why the scholars of tafsir and the scholars of Quran love to read the book of Allah Azza wa Jal again and again. They finish one book of tafsir, they'll read another book of tafsir. They finish that one, they'll go to a third one and a fourth one and a fifth one. Why? Because each one of those scholars will say something, give a point that perhaps others won't say. And that's why in QP we, we take from a range of those imams of tafsir. Sometimes a tabari says something that others don't say. But sometimes it will be Qatada, or one of the scholars of the Tabi'een. Sometimes Al-Qurtubi will have an amazing point, or Shaykh Muhammad Al-Amin Al-Shanqiti, or Ibn Qayyim. Sometimes a scholar will come and mention something, and he's not even necessarily speaking or writing a book of tafsir, but in a different book. And Allah Azza wa Jal gives him the ability, gives him the tawfiq, gives him the success to be able to, to write something or, or mention something that is an amazing point concerning the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so the believer knows this is where my success lies. This is where I can go in order to seek knowledge and to learn and to overcome the challenges and the trials of the dunya. So just as those disbelievers deny, those, those people who are enemies of Islam deny the book of Allah, they reject it, they make fun of it, they ridicule it, they mock it, then it's a shame that the Muslim doesn't put more, as much effort, in, in, as much effort into its study as they put in, into its rejection. They put in so much time and effort challenging the Qur'an, making mockery of the Qur'an, rejecting the Qur'an. But how much time and effort do we put in studying the Qur'an and reading the Qur'an and memorizing the Qur'an and learning the different sciences of the Qur'an? And as we've said, I think, a number of times now, there's a number of sciences of the Qur'an that in our time are becoming lost. They're becoming rare. They're becoming even the study of tafsir in some ways or in the way that it should be studied is something which is becoming difficult for people to listen to and to learn the time that it takes the, the the amount of dedication that it takes isn't easy we're six years in and we're still in surah al-buruj right we've only done uh, you know a number of small surahs of the quran in six years but that's what it takes to have that level of determination concerning the book of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and if you learn those principles you learn the book of allah in that way you don't even necessarily need a teacher to take you through the whole of the Qur'an. You've learned enough of the principles, enough of the methodology, 
that you could go if you have the keys to knowledge such as Arabic language and so on and the books at your disposal to be able to go and to continue that journey even with yourself. And so that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this surah he is telling us that the Quran, the Quran, the Quran, the Quran, read the Quran, make yourselves from the people of the Quran, establish it within your families, within your children, within your youngsters. Because that's another thing that's going to happen as a disconnect between our generation and the generation of our youngsters, our children who are going through more challenges, have more difficulty, have more distractions in the time that they live in and the fast pace technology, the fast pace of technology that they are having to contend with. It's not going to be long before people will even take their tafsir from some of these artificial intelligence chatbots and so on. This is how they will study the book of Allah. This will be their connection to the Quran. So unless we instill within them the value of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because if we instill within them the value of something, its preciousness, then it doesn't really matter if someone comes up with a shortcut. You're studying it not because of the shortcut, but because you want to understand and learn. It doesn't care how long it takes. It doesn't care. You don't, you don't care how, how slow it is or how much time and effort it takes because you're enjoying the journey. It's not about the destination anymore for you even. It is now about the journey and enjoyment that you have and that is how knowledge should be, that is how the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be. And so when you study the book of Allah azza wa even if you do two verses a week, three verses a week like we do, it's enough because it's the journey that you are benefiting from. If you finish, alhamdulillah. If you don't finish, you still benefited a great deal. And that journey, so long as you're upon it, then you are doing something with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of its learning and memorization, study and so on. And so Imam Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that the Qur'an is majid, meaning that it is the epitome of glory and nobility and barakah, blessing. And it contains for people that which they need to know about their religion and about their dunya, not like what the disbelievers said, not like what they claimed, that it's all just speech and words and doesn't mean anything and archaic and doesn't have any, 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 any meaning anymore. No. These are the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he spoke with subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is his speech. And so therefore it contains everything that you need. So you have a problem, you have a difficulty, you have an issue. It is the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you should go back to. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, so Allah azza wa describes his Quran and his speech as being majid. And it is most worthy of glory of al-majd because it is because the glory of, of someone's words or the nobility and honor of words depend upon the nobility of the person that spoke those words. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-majid. And so therefore his words are majid, just like his arsh, his throne is majid. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes his speech or his Quran as being majid. And al-majd, as we said before, is everything that is good, everything that is good and worthy. Uh, of nobility and honor and glory, that is what Al-Majid refers to. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the Quran as being Majid. And then in the final verse of Surah Al-Buruj, verse 22, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Fi In a preserved tablet, or in a preserved slate, as is in Sahih International, uh, and all of them in brackets have inscribed or recorded or written. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concludes this surah by saying that it is fi lawhim mahfuz. Fi lawhim mahfuz. We have two qira'at. Two qira'at when it comes to this verse and both of them revolve around the last word of this surah mahfuz. 
the reading, as you can see, uh, if you have the Mus'haf open in front of you, um, you can see that in the word Mahfuz, it is Majroor, has two Kasras on it. Fi lawhim Mahfuzin has two Kasras. And this is the reading of the majority of the Qur'a, nine out of the ten. The majority of the Qur'a read in this way, with it being Majroor. And what that means, therefore, that the Mahfuz, so the word Lawh refers to tablet. Mahfuz means that it is preserved. In this way, it is Allah describing the Lawh as being Mahfuz, the tablet that is being preserved. And that is, as you can see, the translation, the rule of the uh, translators went with. And it is the reading, as we said, of nine of the ten of the Qur'a. So the vast majority of them read in this way. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that the tablet is preserved from addition, from deletion. It is the way that Allah has made it. And this is the tablet that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote everything in. According to some of the scholars, it is the one that Allah is, or the one that is being referred to in the hadith of the Prophet that Allah first created the pen and he told it to write. And it said, what should I write, O oh Allah? And he said, write everything that will be. That is the lawh al-mahfuz. And that is the preserved tablet. So that is the reading of the majority. The other reading is the reading of Nafi'ah. The Sheikh of Medina, Nafi'ah, whose two uh, students, Warsh and Qalun, are from the f- most famous Qurra. Nafi' reads it with a dhamma. Fi lawhin mahfuzun. So it is marfu' Fi lawhin mahfuzun. So therefore the mahfuzun is no longer a description or an attribute of the lawh of the tablet, but rather for the previous verse. And that is the Qur'an. بَلْ هُوَ قُرْآنٌ مَجِيدٌ مَحْفُوظٌ As if Allah is saying that this Qur'an is not only noble and full of glory, but Allah Azza wa Jalla has also preserved it. And obviously both are preserved. Because the Qur'an is preserved by Allah Azza wa Jalla as mentioned elsewhere in the Qur'an. إِنَّا نَحْنُ نَزَّلْنَا الذِّكْرَ وَإِنَّا لَهُ لَحَافِظُونَ We reveal this Qur'an, we will preserve it. But also the Lawh al-Mahfuz is also preserved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So both are correct. But this is the other reading that you will find, for example, in the Qira'a of the Qira'a of um, of Nafi' Rahimahullah Ta'ala who is one of the Qura'a of Medina and so therefore the Qur'an is preserved from any addition, from any deletion from any change, from any mistake or contradiction Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala has preserved both and so Mujahid Rahimahullah Ta'ala said that the Lawh is the Ummul Kitab and Al-Qatada said the Lawh Al-Mahfuz is that which Allah Azza wa Jal has with him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that Allah Azza wa Jal says that, that the Qur'an is preserved from the, the tampering of the shayateen and from any type of change. And it is from that Qur'an or from that lawh al-mahfuz that everything comes because Allah Azza wa Jal decreed that everything be written within it. And Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala said something similar that it is preserved from the shayateen, from the devils, that they can't go to it, they can't change it, they can't do anything to add to it or delete it, as Allah Azza wa Jal mentions elsewhere in the Qur'an. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has preserved it, and just as He has preserved it, and therefore the book of Allah Azza wa Jal, the Qur'an, is also preserved. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has preserved it from change, from corruption, from altering or from alteration, and so on. Uh, Shaykh Ibn Uthaymeen, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says that Allah Azza wa Jal uh, mentions a number of writings, so a number of things that have been written, that have been recorded, and he gives a number of them. And I thought this was interesting, just 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 uh, to mention by passing, he mentions four. 
uh, and there may be more, but he mentions four. The first of them is the writing in the Lawh al-Mahfud. And that is the, 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 the book that is with Allah Azza wa Jalla, the tablet that is with Allah Azza wa Jalla, that doesn't change. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls it preserved. Nothing changes within it. It is complete and it is final. Number two, the second type of writing that you get is the writing or the recording that Allah Azza wa Jal commands the angels to make when the child is in the womb of its mother. Because as we know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends the angel after 121 days and it writes a number of things, its provision, its lifespan, its actions, and whether it will be from the joyous or from the wretched. We have another writing, a third one, and that is the writing that comes down of the Qadr of Laylatul Qadr. Every Laylatul Qadr, Allah Azza wa sends down the decree for the following year. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Dukhan, فِيهَا يُفْرَقُ كُلُّ أَمْرٍ حَكِيمٍ It is the night upon, upon which every command or every wise command of Allah Azza wa is given. And then there is the fourth writing, and that is what the angels record. The fourth recording is what the angels record in terms of the actions of the people as Allah Azza wa describes them. وَإِنَّ عَلَيْكُمْ الْحَافِظِينَ كِرَامٍ كَاتِبِينَ InshaAllah when we come to Surah Al-Fitar, we will look at that in more detail. The difference, he says, between the four are the three that preceded have already been written. So what Allah wrote in the Ruh Al-Mahfud preceded. What Allah Azza wa has written when a person's in the womb of their mother has preceded. What is written in Laytul Qadr has also preceded because that also comes from the Lawh Al-Mahfud. The only thing that is left is a person's actions. And that's also written in terms of the Lawh Al-Mahfud, but the angels write it after the fact as opposed to before. The rest, the others are more like decrees that are written before. Whereas the actions of a person are only written and recorded by the angels because angels don't know what is in the Allah al So they write and they record it as and when a person commits and performs his or her actions. I want to conclude by mentioning the statement of Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala. He has a nice uh, statement that I think is a good way to end this surah and to conclude the tafsir of this surah. He says that this surah, if you were to look at it, all of it revolves around Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the tawheed of Allah azza wa jal. Because that's what the whole surah is really speaking about, even in terms of its stories, principles, the names and attributes of Allah. The whole issue is about tawheed, the people's rejection of tawheed, people's acceptance of tawheed. So he says, rahimahullah ta'ala, that Allah azza wa jal mentions his tawheed in many ways. Number one is by mentioning his power and his glory, subhanahu wa ta'ala, his power and ability over all things that can never be rivaled. Number two, the praise that he is worthy of subhanahu wa ta'ala, even in the most difficult of situations and in the most hardest of circumstances, the praise that is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also, his vast dominion and kingdom over the heavens and the earth. Nothing is beyond the kingdom of Allah. Nothing is beyond the dominion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number four, his testimony subhanahu wa ta'ala, his shahada, wallahu ala kulli shay'in shaheed. Allah is a witness over all things. So Allah sees all, hears all, knows all. Nothing happens except that Allah Azza wa Jal is aware of it subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Azza wa Jal's batsh is punishment. That Allah Azza wa Jal is severe in his punishment. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his punishment shows therefore his complete power, his might, his majesty, his ability and control over all things subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also that he alone is the one who creates. He alone is the one who returns. As we said, whether that's to do with punishment or to do with creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. 
is the one who can punish in the way that he punishes, alone is the one who creates in the way that he creates, alone is the one who forgives in the manner and way in which he forgives. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-ghafoor as he says, وَهُوَ الْغَفُورُ الْوَدُودِ So Allah azza wa jal is full of forgiveness subhanahu wa ta'ala, forgiveness, kindness, ihsan, benevolence, uh, generosity towards the believers, mercy for them subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that Allah Azza wa Jal is al-wadood, all-loving. He loves his servants who are upon the path of Tawheed, who, stead, who are steadfast upon that, who are patient upon it, who strive day and night to attain it. And they love him subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why they do what they do. That's why they're patient upon the harm that they face, they face, they face and the many trials and tribulations that they face in the dunya. He is subhanahu wa ta'ala, dhul arsh al-majid, the one who owns the throne that is most glorious, subhanahu wa ta'ala. No one can create like his creation, and no one has anything that is greater than his creation, and therefore it is not befitting that anyone should ascend above it except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah azza wa jal is al-majid himself, glorious, noble, honorable, subhanahu wa ta'ala, unrivaled in his knowledge, unrivaled in his power, unrivaled in his kingdom, unrivaled in his treasures, in his generosity, in his goodness subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah Azza wa Jal does as he pleases, yurid, does as he pleases, and everything that he does, it is full of wisdom and justice and knowledge. And he does it in the way that he pleases for the wisdom and knowledge that he possesses subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise, he says, Rahimullah ta'ala, every single uh, attribute of Allah is just as perfect and just as complete. So he says in conclusion for this surah, this surah, it could be in and of itself a book, an entire book that speaks about the foundations of Islam in terms of Iman, in terms of disbelief, in terms of the principles and the stories and the and names and attributes of Allah Azza wa Jal and what you need in order to be successful and what is true success and what is true failure. He said it is enough for the one who understands this surah to understand the, the, the usul, the, the principles, the foundation of Islam. And so he says, so praise is due to Allah Azza wa Jal who revealed upon us or to, who revealed to the Prophet وسلم, his book and blessed is he who revealed the Furqan to his servant Muhammad I thought that was a very nice conclusion to this surah because it essentially shows that Allah Azza wa Jal, if you trust in him, you turn to him, you believe in him, you spend your life dedicated to worshipping him, submitting to him subhanahu wa ta'ala, being pleased with his decree. And in every single turn and every single every single choice that you make, you look at that which is most pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah Azza wa Jal will open up for you the doors of his barakah, his rahmah, his maghfirah. Allah Azza wa Jal will open up for you the doors of his blessings, his generosity, his mercy and his forgiveness. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst those people. And may Allah Azza wa Jal give us knowledge of this religion. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us firm upon this deen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless his and shower, uh, bless his, uh, may Allah Azzawajal bestow his blessings and shower upon us his mercy and forgiveness. And may Allah Azzawajal make us from the people of steadfastness and patience. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from those people who understand the principles of the Quran and the Sunnah and not just understand them but apply them and hold on to them. May Allah Azzawajal give us understanding of the Quran and make us from the people of the Quran. So inshallah ta'ala with that we come to the conclusion of Surah Al-Buruj and then inshallah ta'ala next week uh, we will see inshallah whether we start the next surah or whether we, we do something maybe different like another special or something but inshallah ta'ala that, that will be announced inshallah in due course.
So if there's no questions, then inshallah ta'ala we will conclude for today. Barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.